looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental, one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no BS, helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things, the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do. No excuses. Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right. Pretty fancy, right? I love Quite it. Fancy. That's my fancy new... Uh, I got this new podcast uh, pod track, and it's such a neat tool to have right in front of you here. So you got these little buttons, all the stuff you can do with StreamYard that you can have these videos on. So it yeah. just knocked it up a notch. You're the only second one that I've got to use it on. So hey, it was beautiful. I was like, man, that's he's taking it up a notch. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I really enjoy it. Well, today we got... You know, near and dear to my heart, another combat vet that we get to talk to today, J.R. Spear, businessman. Let me, I'm going to talk a little bit about you here. I'm going to read your bio to everybody so they can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So from getting blown up in Iraq to leading entrepreneurs on how to start and scale their business, J.R. Spear is the founder of Creed Consulting and Business Leaders Network. Since its return from the hot deserts of Iraq in 2007, he has built multiple businesses ranging from the fitness and martial arts industry marketing, advertising, to consulting. His mission to arm small business owners with the tools and resources needed to grow their business, giving them the direct path to bypass the struggles he had to endure so they can achieve the life and business they desire. 2017, JR has helped hundreds of, since, I'm sorry about that, since 2017, JR has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs two times, five times, even 10 times their business by implementing the proper steps, structure, technology, efficiencies, and processes and scalability. JR is presented to audiences, both large and small, in a variety of different settings and contexts. As a presenter, he uses personal stories and life experiences to not only make a point to keep your audience engaged and listening, they will leave practical and ethical steps to take them beyond that session. Good resume there. Yeah, JR. thank you. So I got to meet you a little bit. We were together because we were at a business book camp and I think you, you wrote a book also, did you not? I did. It's called Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire. Yes, I got your book, by the way. I was there. And so I want to talk. Well, first of all, let's talk about your martial arts background, because that's something we have in common. And I and I understand that that's something that you've done since you were a little kid. So let, let's uh, let's dabble in, into that. Let's let's get the future of what you did there. Back in yeah. Yeah. So martial arts, honestly, it was my lifestyle, almost probably similar to your story. It's like it doesn't become a, a, just a sport. It doesn't become something that you just do. It just becomes part of who you are. And my mother, she's always done martial arts since she was probably 10 years old. I got four sisters. When I was born, uh, she kind of got me and all my sisters involved in martial arts. So I've been doing it since I could walk, you know, around two or three years old. She always dragged me to the, to the mat and, you know, I'll be engaged with everyone doing little dragons type classes and things like that. And then starting at about 10 or 11 years old is when I really got to learn how to be a leader, learn how to teach, learn how to, you know, take control of a class. I, I remember at that age, 
it was uh, I started teaching because, you know, I think my mom or someone got sick and we, we had a pretty big school out of St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, and there were a bunch of people coming in and out and there was no one to run the mat. I was like, oh, great. Well, I guess I'm the only person in the family can go do it. And I was terrified at that moment. I was like, this is my first time ever actually leading a whole class myself. I did some teaching here and there, holding pads, kicking, whatever, and teaching people katas and forms and stuff like that. But, you know, I never really led a whole class, but I was kind of forced into it because no one else was there to do it. And that's kind of where my leadership and my my journey began. And I, I'll, I'm not saying this to boast about me, but I had a natural gift to be able to get on a mat and be able to lead adults when I'm this young little child on what to do. And they they received it. They accepted it. And they followed along with everything that I had to do. And, uh, you know, I've been teaching ever since. I've been everything from, you know, martial arts from that young age. Even when I went to, you know, got to high school, I traveled all over the St. Louis area, going to different public schools and private schools and teaching, taking over like a, a health class and teaching about awareness and self-defense or whatever it may be as another peer in there. And I'd be leading and taking control of the entire class and, and traveling to different martial arts schools around the country and teaching them how to lead group classes, how to lead a martial arts class. And then even going in the military, I trained a lot of Marines and sailors in fitness and martial arts and just had a, you know, a huge, I mean, like I say, it's not about what you did. It became part of who I am. And it became very, very easy to uh, just transition that. So when I got back from uh, Iraq in the military, it was just very natural for me. My first business that I wanted to do is open a martial arts school. And that's what I did. And that, that was in 2007. I did it for a few years, ended up selling the business and starting fitness. And then uh, I started teaching martial arts again uh, last year to my kids and um, a homeschooling group. So just just something I enjoy, something I love and become a passion. Yes. Well, it definitely is part of you. You, you know, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that you, you know, you taught everybody in the military and everything else. You know, once you get a little bit of self-discipline behind you, it's that's that's the cool. That's the keys that you take away from uh, martial arts. And then yeah, natural, natural teacher, get in front of a group of people. All that comes natural for for, you know, what you're doing. And you spoke and you spoke well, you know, when I when I listen to you speak. And I think that's just being used to getting in front of a group of people. It's just what we've done it since we were kids. So it's, it's, it's just kind of natural. Yeah. I mean, martial arts is one of those things that it's not just about learning how to kick and punch or learning how to fight or protect, protect yourself. I mean, there's more than just I, I believe martial arts teaches you more about the character and the, and the self-discipline than anything else. I mean, I wouldn't be the leader that I am today and be able to run the businesses that I do, be able to, you know, teach people the way that I do if it wasn't for my upbringing in the martial arts. I mean, martial arts, yes. Do I know how to throw a punch? Yes. Do I know how to fight in the ring? Sure. And I've done it hundreds and not thousands of times my entire life. But more importantly, I, I'm the person who I am today because of my upbringing and the skills that I've learned in the martial arts. So did, did uh, what, what did running your own school, what did that prep you for? Tell me that running your own school was... It, you know, business is business. I think I've, if you've heard my story, I needed to get somebody to help me run a school. Per yeah. Se. Because, you know, I was good at teaching, but didn't understand business. And I went looking for somebody that made knows how to make money in martial arts. But yeah. still, you know, if you don't have a system in place, I, I don't know if you if you work with martial artists or not. You know, some are really good and really hungry and <laughs> will listen. Some not so much. You know, they're kind of yeah. set in their ways and and, you know, they're just you know what I'm talking about. 
So did well, you, I, did you I, find I that? I, here's a funny thing. When I had my martial arts school, well, I'll, I'll take a step back in a second. But when I had my martial arts school, I had a guy that wanted that came from New York, moved to St. Louis, and was looking for a teaching position. So part of my interview process was, yeah, I mean, I, I would want to get to know who they are first. But more mainly, I put them in the mat and made them take a class for about a week. And just as a student, like just get in the class, I want to see how they do. This this guy he wasn't a kid. This guy, he was he was probably early twenties or you know maybe nineteen or whatever. His front kick looked no different than his round kick, no different than his side kick, no different from his back kick. And I was like, Dude, you're wearing a black belt. I mean, I would put a white belt around your waist be, before I even let you even show up and represent me as a black belt. And so that after that week, I just departed ways with them. But it's so true. Like there's so many great skilled martial arts, but I'm sure that you heard the same before. There's a lot of belt factories out there as well, where a lot of the schools. They're out there just to try to collect the paycheck, but they're not really caring about the skill set of their students. So, but, uh, you know, they're it, going back to my journey when I started the martial arts school, it, it was, it was rocky at first. Like I, I grew up from the mentality of, you know, people, no contracts do month to month. People want to come. They're going to want to stay. They're going to do it. I mean, I charge like 50 bucks a month. Like, Oh yeah, 50 bucks a month. Come in and, and, do it. and I couldn't beat the lights on much less put food on the table. I'm just glad that I had a savings from, you know, when I came back from Iraq, uh, to be able to help support me and do what I did, but I had no clue. I was because I that's the way my mom ran everything, and so yeah. she she's always had a business, but she comes from the very much old school mentality that hey, people just come, they give you a check, they give you cash, and they're paying for that month, and then you hope that they come back. Well, the problem was little Johnny wants to play soccer next season, or family wants to go on a vacation, or someone gets sick. Guess what? You're not getting paid. So I but what transformed my mindset when it came to business was I knew really quick about needing a mentor, needing a coach. And I knew nothing about the coaching world at this time from a business standpoint. So I came across Maya, which I'm sure you're familiar with, martial arts. Oh, yes. Still, still with him today. Yeah. So you might know Mike Metzger, right? Know him well. So Mike Metzger pretty much changed everything for me. And Jason Flame. He was actually one of my consultants as well. So which I know. We're Wait, both was Jack. Jay? Yes. Yeah. He was. He's one of my black belts. Yeah. He's one of your black belts. So he was one of our consultants while I was with Maya. But Mike Metzger. <laughs> He was my main coach, and, man, he transformed everything for me when it came to changing my mindset in business. I mean, uh, a couple key things was, one, he shifted my mindset and my belief in what about business. Two, he showed me how to actually do events. Three, he showed me how to create offers, and he showed me how to sell from events. So I'll never forget the day he had me do my first – it was like a, a bring a body, break a board, or a self-defense seminar or, or something like that. And – I had a bunch of students that were all paying me like 50 bucks a month. And he was like, Hey, this is exactly what we're going to do. You're going to do, you're going to come in. You're going to do the event. After you do the event with all the kids, you're going to have someone watch all the kids. You're going to take all the parents in the back room. And you're going to talk about your new black belt club program. Well, black belt club, master club program is like, Oh shoot. Okay. Everyone's paying me 50 bucks a month. I'm barely able to keep the lights on. Now I'm asking them to pay me like 150 to 200 something dollars a month for a 12 and 36 month contract. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you that completely changed my life because that fear was just all in my own head. When I took him in the back, I walked away with generating more than five to seven thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue from the parents that I had in that back room, and that's the change that everything that I do in business. Everything that I've learned from that moment is everything I've been able to duplicate in martial arts and fitness, business and advertising, and every single aspect that I've learned when it comes to any type of business. So, martial arts is still a business, and you got to know how to do it. Hundred percent said two things that I think are spot on, needing a coach, and you need to have follow through. You can have a coach all day, but if you don't do what he says, uh, you, you're going to be in the exact same place. 
right? Yep. So I, I want to say hi to a couple people here. I don't want to ignore them, but uh, Danielle is on. Daniela Ramon, she says hello to you. Jose Escobar was there. Yeah. Daniela says thank you for your service. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Appreciate it. And, and Lori's on too. So I wanted, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Maya because I still use a monthly thing that they have, $79 a month. And it just takes all the guesswork out of it. Uh, and I have a virtual assistant. Believe it or not, I have somebody from the Philippines that I've hired. Yeah. And she's my virtual assistant. She works for me full time. So all this nice artwork you see, everything I do on social media, that's all her. Yeah. And I just sent her to school to understand more about how to do Facebook ads and different things. I sent her to school for that so that she can do this. And she is uh, probably my, well, she's she's just a godsend to, to, to me. So I understand fully well what you're talking about as far as a business is a business. And I and that's probably why you your business leaders network, that's your group, I believe, is probably a lot of the stuff that you learned in martial arts school. And you know, it's it martial arts school, isn't it weird that I know that you're gonna agree with this because I know you watch your mom probably struggle when it comes to money. They're probably paycheck to paycheck if it, if it's back in old school. Because I've been yep. on that road. And same with dance schools, right? I remember my sister doing dance school, and there'd be a mailbox, uh, uh, you know, uh, your dues are due today. They write an envelope, and they put it in there. And then That's right. Yeah, your dues are due, and if you pay them, great. And if you're not, you know, the poor, you know, they have to go chase down and not eat or whatever. And then there's not really it, – it's weird about the martial arts world. I've, I've said this before, and this has even happened in my own school. You will go and get your hair done from a hairdresser. Spend $160 to have color cut and blow dry. But bark at being a $40 an hour private lesson for a half hour. Thinking yeah. that that's just too much money. Like, I can't believe you're even paying us for that. That we have to pay you for your time. I mean, we're here taking lessons. Like the extra time you're going to get is is something. And I've, and I've watched it over and over again. And I've watched my young people that I allow to have the little entrepreneurship inside my school. I let them keep their, their money when they do their private lessons and stuff like that. Or, you know, a certain rank that you are, the money will go through the school, but you get 30% or 40% of what you've made. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let them understand, you know, how to build a small business within a business. I've done this for years. But people are, as a martial artist, it's just like our time isn't really worth we should be doing stuff for free. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want I want to hit on that because you know a, a big thing that I had to shit for any one of my my consoles. I mean, you, you read in my bio, I've helped hundreds and not thousands of people build their businesses since 2017. I've just built a massive network and been doing really well with that. But there's a couple key things that are really transformative for a lot of people, and one of them is a you know past client of mine, and when she started with me. She was selling her program for like maybe I think it was around two thousand dollars for a ninety day program, and she was like in the health space and wellness and personal training and things like that. And when our first couple calls, I had to shift the way she thought and it was belief, which is no different than the martial arts. Like they think that they have to give away stuff for a certain price, or they don't believe that people are willing to pay what you're worth. So I ended up more than doubling what her her offer was. I said, "Hey, before we get off this call, how many sales calls do you have going up this next week?" She said three. So I said, okay, well, at the time she was selling for 2000 I said, well, you're going to go and sell it no less than $4,000 for each one of them. She came back to me the next couple of days and said she sold three for three at 4000 And now she bumped it up to more than $5,000 for her program. But I had to shift her belief. I had to shift her offer and what she did. 
And I had to shift her entire message of how she was going to deliver it. And just by doing that and shifting everything that was up in her head, it, it changed everything for her world. I mean, in the past uh, two months, I think she closed more than $90,000 in business, almost $100,000. And if she would have followed the same plan she did, she'd probably be under you know 20000 or 30000 Completely changed her entire life. And martial arts is no different. A lot of times that people think that we got to give away our time for free because we're there to teach and do you know com good community work and for our expertise. I mean, I don't know about you, but I started martial arts when I was three and got my first degree black belt when I was like 14. How many years did I have to learn to be able to get <laughs> my first black belt? How long That's did it take you for to do it? Why should I not get paid for all my time and energy and investment to be able to get to where I'm at today? And now I'm teaching you what I know. Why should I be paid way more than $40 for that hour? I mean, right. It's, I mean, that is, I say this so many times. I, you know, I don't speak about my rank very often because I'm just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's always weird when you, when you hear people are eight degrees or whatever, it's, it's, it sounds yeah. like fantasy land, right? <laughs> I tell everybody eight degree means I'm old and I've been exactly. in the martial arts world for a while and I've, I've produced my own black belts. That's what, that's what it means. doesn't mean I have I a magic. Uh, I don't even wear stripes on my belt anymore. I just wear a I, solid black belt. Yeah. So I, I was and, well, what's and, it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter. So I just wear a solid black belt. That's it. I, I can't. Have, I have no lettering on it, no ranking on it. I just wear a black belt. That's it. Yes, I have. Yes, I, my embroidered. I have my name and uh, number forty-five on there. That's my 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 uh, <laughs> my student that was killed in, uh, in driving to the stool by a drunk driver. That's his number, and so that's who I have on there. But my my school doesn't allow stripes on the belt. I can't stand it. I cannot stand yeah. it. Master Ken makes fun of that super well. Yeah, I know you know Master Ken, right? The 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 comedian that. In the uh, red, he's not seen Master Ken. Possibly, I, if I uh, saw him, uh, I'm going to have to send you some videos because you're going to get a kick out of him. He's funny, oh, so yeah. it's it's you're going to get a big kick out of him. So that great, I think that's great. I think you're 100 percent right. I because I tell everybody too. I said, and then I find myself because I'm the owner giving away my stuff quite often. Yeah, you know, helping these kids out or hey, Mr. Cox, can you come in and watch me on the mat and I'll come out and. and and, and do what I do. But I've told people before, you know, when you got to pay for a private lesson with me, you're not paying because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the owner of the school. You're paying because I'm going to be able to, all the years experience I have, I'm going to take 20 minutes and you're going to learn more in 20 minutes than you would for, you know, three weeks on the mat. Yeah. You know, I'm going to cut through your bad habits and I'm going to know how to, how to do this. So I think that's, uh, I think that's powerful. And, and you know, audiences that are listening and i think that's not just for martial artists i think that's for anybody oh, it was not everything in life i mean gosh I mean, shifting your mindset your belief about your value and your worth what you're able to give it goes down to everything even in your family like we we got to know our worth in our family and i think about my wife you know my my wife is a stay-at-home mom with uh three little kids under six years old and she's pregnant with our fourth and she, her whole world is raising those kids at home and helping us get now we do it as a team but it's really hard for a stay-at-home mom to really understand your worth and your value of who you are and yeah. so it doesn't just boil down in the martial arts school and on the mat it boils down in business but it also boils down your family yes that's 100 right and a good shout out to your wife for doing that too yeah she's that's a cool. that's a tough uh that's a tough job stay-at-home mom is not is no joke because i don't know as a guy I had to raise my children. I don't know if you know that about me. I, I've been divorced now for over 20 years and I raised my children. I wasn't the weekend dad. The, the kids all live with me. 
and I have four kids like you do. And then I had one that I adopted when he was 12 too. And he's wow. in Idaho with a big major, big martial arts school in Idaho. That's Bo. And then I've got three boys and a little girl. They're all grown and one married. I'm a little older than you, but, uh, you know, I don't have that good looking face like you have either. You know, mine's been pummeled and beat up. You probably moved. You probably moved a lot better and not get punched as much as I did back in the you day. You know what? I be, I bend over and I have a hard time standing back up nowadays. But <laughs> that all much lovers. Well, that that's one thing I can tell you that we all know that we we all fake that pretty well in the mornings. If yep. people pour, if people really see us get up out of bed and go, gosh, that hot shower! I can't wait. Well, to I'm I'm, I'm a young young man with an old body. It feels like, but you know, I feel, keep moving. So let's talk about your service real quick. Let's talk about where you did and how you decided to go into the service and what you did there. And then, and then, you know, how you, what, what you learned from there and how you implemented that. So we've talked about the martial arts side of it. Let's implement the uh, service side. So why don't you go ahead and tell me where you served and how that looked. Yeah. Well, you, you asked the question about like, how did I end up in the military? Well, the reality is when I, even though I was a very disciplined child growing up my entire life i went through a very rebel stage at 17 where i just i just was hanging out with the wrong kids doing the wrong thing and just wanted to not listen or do do what i do whatever i wanted to do so to the point where i was you know get in trouble with the law and and uh i always say i just have a conversation with my wife the other day it's like man if i did go to the military i probably would have been you know in jail or dead somewhere because a lot of the people that i was running around with were either on protection protective custody or they got killed or they're in prison and just thank God that I, I was able to get away. So at 17, you know, I, I've always been a Christian since I was probably, you know, I think I accepted Christ when I was eight years old and then went off the, the deep end when I was 17 or 16 or whatever, and then 17 rededicated. But it was around this period of time. I was like, man, I, I lost my driver's license. Cause I you know, got a lot of tickets, got in trouble loss. They pulled that from me. I had no job cause I got fired from my, from the job that I did have. So I had no money coming in and uh, and I couldn't drive anywhere. So my grandma came over. I ended up skipping school one day. My grandmother, huge part of my life, my upbringing. And my mom was a single mom with, with five kids. And I got four sisters. But we, she came over to my house one morning and I asked her, I go, Grandma, I need, I need some money. I don't have a job. I can't drive anywhere. Can you take me to some pawn shops down the street and I'll, I'll sell some of the, my stuff that I got? So she agreed. I loaded up her car and we're driving down Main Street in St. Louis. And she pulls around a shopping center and, and parks. And I look straight ahead, straight up and look ahead. And it was the recruiter station for the military. And I was like, Grandma, what are we doing here? And I just kind of chuckle at her. And she goes, you're not coming out unless you sign up for a branch of the service. I don't care where you go, but you're going to go sign up for the branch of the service. And I, I knew at that moment, I was like, shoot, I am not saying no to my grandma. Like my grandma <laughs> is a very powerful person in my life and, uh, and just really took care of me. And I was like, I'm not going to disrespect her. I'm not going to say no. And so I knew I wouldn't go army. I knew I wasn't going to go in the air force. My great, my grandfather's retired Navy and my uncle was a Marine. So I knew it'd be one of those two at that time in the stage of my life. I was like, you know, the Marines work too hard. So I don't want to go in the Marine Corps. So I went in the Navy. So I, I went in and I signed up in the Navy and I didn't know what job I wanted to do. I mean, so I, I just picked what my grandfather did. He was an aviation boatsman handler, which he fueled uh, jets that flew onto aircraft carriers. So I ended up going in there, taking some other tests that they gave me and sign up for being a, a purple jacket, ABH. And, um, and, you know, was part of the debt program, which is delayed entry program. Cause I was 17. I was still a junior in high school. 
So I had a year before I can even leave and I had to graduate high school. During this time, after I signed up, you know, I started getting my act straight. I ended up rededicating my life to Christ and and going down towards like more ministry and really taking myself more serious, working out hard again and getting back on the mat and doing all these other things that I ended up when I ended up going into the military. I was still in ABH, but while I was in boot camp, I found out about this job as a chaplain's assistant. And in the Navy, we call them a religious program specialist, which provides assistance to a, the Navy chaplain uh, during either domestic or internationally in combat. So you could be a ministry of duties, you could be in a chapel, you could be on a ship, or you could be on ground in, in combat with the, with the grunts in the Marine Corps. Because Marines are Department of the Navy, if people listening to this didn't know that. So a lot of what... The, they say uh, they are the men's department of the Navy. That's what they're they, saying. You know, they, they like to say that, and I won't disagree with it, you know, but <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, I end up uh, signing up for the, uh, get my job changed to be what we call an RP, the religious program specialist. And during that time, I'm finishing out boot camp, and then I got to go to training school. Well, due to my athleticism and who I was, they, they actually put me on the green side. So here I didn't want to go to the Marine Corps because they worked too hard. And I ended up spending my entire time with the Marine Corps. And so I'm wearing the Marine Corps <laughs> uniforms, the, the, you know, the camis and, and I'm, I'm tied in riding with the grunts, the infantry. I was with second time, fourth Marines out of Camp Pendleton, California. That's who I deployed with on the 15th Mew in uh, 2006 and 2007. And I'll tell you, I would have hated life if I would have been stuck on a ship, but I loved being in the middle of the grunts. I loved doing, you know, playing, you know, being out in the field, shooting guns all day, because essentially I was a security for the chaplain. Chaplains are the only true non-combatants, meaning they cannot carry a weapon even for defense. But corpsmen and medical personnel, like there are other Navy personnel that they are attached to Marines as well. Marines don't have chaplain corps. They don't have any medical personnel. So they pull from the Navy to actually serve with them. Corpsmen and doctors, they're all non-combatants as well, but they can carry a weapon for defense. Chaplains can't do that, which means they have to have someone like me that was with them during time of war to protect them wherever we went. So that was my job while I was in the military was to be a chaplain assistant. And, you know, there, I had every intention of making a career out of the Navy. I wanted to do my 20, get in or get in, stay in, has beautiful life. And I would have been retired a little while ago if I would have stayed in. <clears throat> but, you know, got a different plan. I had a really rough deployment. There was one incident on uh, February 7, 2007, where I survived a suicide bombing at a walking checkpoint in Barwana, Iraq. I Meaning I was standing in the middle of the, within feet away from a guy that was walking into the city at a walking checkpoint, lifted his arms, strapped to C4, and blew himself up. It ended up killing three of our own, injured a lot of many others. I was probably the closest person to the blast and was, I was thrown, left unconscious, didn't really know what was going on. Saw the chaplain on the ground trying to crawl under his shelter. I was able to actually crawl over to him. Didn't know if I had any injuries myself, much less my limbs. I couldn't see to my left or right. Had ringing on the right side of my face, and I still get ringing every day. And Even on my right side of my ear as I talk right now, I have inner ear nerve damage, so I get vibration echo in my voice whenever I talk. And so I saw the chaplain trying to crawl. I grabbed the back of his flak, and I'm, I'm low to the ground, and I'm trying to pull him underneath the, the building, the shelter that we had right there. And that was the biggest traumatic event that I experienced while I was there. I mean, yes, I saw people getting blown up from walking through minefields. I saw Humvees blown up. I was staying, I had mortars land next to me multiple times and, and a bunch of other stuff that happened. But this was the most traumatic event. And it really made me reflect of what I wanted out of life.
And so I didn't, I knew that that's not the life that I wanted to continue living because I came back May 31st of that year in 2007, would have been deployed again just a few months later for another nine months to a year deployment. And I was like, I can't do this. So I finished out my four years and, and got out shortly after that deployment. We got back May 31st and I was out July 10th and uh, started in the martial arts school just a couple months after that. Yeah, it's quite a story, uh, JR. So many uh, of our military just don't really even know what 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 our our men and women go through. I have a huge heart for them being able to. I didn't serve. You know, I, I said that. I think I've told you that before. It's probably my big, one of my biggest regrets that I have because I and when I was 18, I really wanted to. But what I wanted to do was go in the Coast Guard and bust pot boats because I saw yeah. it. You know, I saw them spray leaf uh hot leaves on a boat one time in, in San Pedro. And I'm like, what is that? And they said, this is every time we bust pot boats, we, we put a, a pot leaf on the on the thing. I said, man, I want to do that. I want to be a cop on the sea. That's what I wanted. And, you know, Coast Guard, everybody makes fun of it. But, man, you got to have a good ASVAB test and all this kind of stuff. And and the Army was like, no, nah, you can come in right now. We don't really. So I just didn't do it, unfortunately. Yeah. And so when I had to go teach, you know, I thought, man, that's going to be hard for me to, how do I relate to these guys that have gone to this traumatic thing? You know, I was with the police department, served warrants and stuff like that, but not, not get down and dirty in, in the dirt and, and like this. And so, um, Gabby's on, I don't know if you know Gabby JR. I do. She's amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, when I went there, I was like, man, that I went and taught the uh, chaps and decisions, like I said, and. And I had to gain the respect of those guys. You know, it wasn't those guys I had to gain the respect of. It was the leader, right, Joe. And so he's the one I used. And luckily, you know, my skill was able to, you know, pack on something different. But, you know, there's one thing true about um, the, you know, when you, I want people to understand that the chaplain is a non-combatant, meaning he can't carry a weapon, but he can't carry a knife. So... You know, we had these we had these daggers that they have, and that's what we kind of we worked at a lot in there. Yeah. And then when we did scenario training, I'm telling you right now, man, we had some salty uh, chaplains that knew how to fight. And when we did scenario training with the sim rounds in the, in there, those guys are about it. They may not even need a weapon if it was in close. I can tell you that, man. These guys were about yeah. about getting down. So it's awesome that you did that kind of. Uh, that kind of work. And I think that's the other side of the military people don't even know about. Some people don't even know that there is non-combatants on the field that are, that don't carry weapons. Yep. And, and the, and, and the uh, chaplains are one of them. So that's good. It's awesome service, but now let's, well, let's, let's jump. So you've got this martial arts that you've learned here. And then now you've got, you've been in the military. What did you take from the military to bring into your business consulting business? You know what I mean? So, how does how did you merge and, and what lessons from there and how do you go about talking about that? Yeah, so before we dive into that, you know, I'll hit on what martial arts did for me in the military. Well, uh, apart from the combat experience and knowing how to protect myself, knowing how to fight and and train a lot of Marines and sailors, like I I knew how to lead. Like I I was able to have the discipline saying, hey, if we gotta get up and go run or go on a hike or do whatever you're told to do to be able to do it, I'm gonna do it. I just didn't question it because that that was kind of the discipline you do it. You know, when a punch is being thrown at you, you move, you react, you're trained to do so. So it's the same thing that we're trying to learn in the military is that constant muscle memory of being able to do the things to be able to react without thinking. And martial arts is all about that training. I mean, you can't you can't learn you can't throw a front kick 
enough. Like you can't throw a roundhouse kick enough. You can't throw a, a single punch, a jab, cross hook, or whatever it may be enough because you're constantly conditioning your body to respond and react without thinking. No different than what we do in the military. We do the training nonstop over and over and over again to knowing how to take the mags out, throw a new round and, and you know put a round in the chamber to be able to go, to stay below the ground, to be able to react, to check the guys on your left and right, to be conditioned, to be able to hike wherever you got to hike to be able to do, and knowing how to assess an area. Everything that we do in the martial arts, everything we did in the military was to prepare you for that one day, that one day of getting ambushed. I would not have been able to respond saying, hey, my first mission and priority was to check on that chaplain. That blast went off. My whole focus was not even me. It was focusing on that chaplain, where he was at, what he was doing. Is he safe to get him under shelter? Because that's what I was conditioned and trained to do. And that's what we learned in the martial arts. There's learning to prepare for that day when you get ambushed. Military or the being an entrepreneur is no different. Everything that I learned in the martial arts, everything that I learned in the military was about systems, about processes, was about consistency, was about commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. That helps, which is what I call your creed, which is why I named my consulting business Creed Consulting, because it stands for those key things. And I always challenge people to be like, hey, what is the one thing you're most committed to? Do you be resilient even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best, and having that mental and physical discipline to complete your mission? Everything's about being mission-focused and preparing for that one day. We don't know when that day is going to happen. We don't know when someone's going to attack us on the street or when we're going to get blown up or when a client is going to quit or when COVID is going to happen. But when it does, are we prepared and are we ready to respond and be prepared for when it does? And so in the military, having that structure and that discipline to show up and and get shit done, per se, to be able to complete the mission, you got to know what your vision is. You got to know what the mission is that you want to complete. And are you willing to do the tasks and the things that it takes to actually get, get it done? Most entrepreneurs are not. Most people want this dream lifestyle as an entrepreneurship saying, hey, I get to get up whenever I want to get up. I get to work whenever I want to work. I can have this dream laptop lifestyle, whatever it may be. And it's just going to be beautiful. Not knowing that you're going to work more hours than you ever do with a nine to five job. You're going to work with, you're going to deal with more problems than you ever did with a nine to five job, working with employees and clients. You're going to have more tasks that you got to get done with everything. And then and if you don't do it, guess what? It's not going to get done. So not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur because they're not willing to do stay committed. And they're not willing to sacrifice the things that it takes to get things done. And in the military, we're trained about being mission focused and to get things done regardless of the tools that you got. And one thing that the Marine Corps does better than anyone, the other branch of the service, is doing best with less. We always got the hand-me-downs from the Army. We always had, like, no equipment. We never had, like, the, the showers. Gosh, I, we didn't even have showers in my camp when I was in Iraq until, like, the last two months that I was there when the Army came in and set it all up. But we survived, and we made it work. And we – I mean, the first month or two, I think I was sleeping on the hood of a Humvee or – on, on the sand with my pack laying on the ground. I mean, I was taking a dump in a box that I buried in the sand. I mean, that, that, that was my life. But people just can't imagine that. You, you learn how to survive. You learn how to be resourceful, which is something the military teaches you as well. Because as an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to find the solutions to problems and being resourceful, even if it's not in front of you. You got to know how to find things out. I don't have the answers to everything that my clients ever ask me. But when they ask me something, I know how to find the answers and the solutions to what they need help with. And that's something really big that the military taught me about, much less the commitment and the resilience and knowing how to pursue everything you do with excellence. Because if you're not doing things with excellence, that could be the difference between a jammed round in your in your chamber or not. That's correct. And I, I think exactly what you're talking about there, the jammed round that you talk about. Uh, even students here, I say, you know, you're going to have to 
you're going to have to have the wherewithal to clear that when obstacles come in your way. And it doesn't yeah. mean just a jam thing. There's obstacles going to come in your way all the time. Everything's not going to go picture perfect. I tell everybody self-defense isn't pretty. It's effective. Yeah. And you have to make it effective. And if it's not effective, that's on you. Yeah, so talking about that. Let's hit on that for a second. How many times are you in a ring and you're you're tied up with someone? They got you an arm lock or headlock or whatever. You're getting ready to get thrown, and you have to be able to think on the spot and be resourceful about pain. Like, am I going to feel pain, or am I able to move this way to make sure I can get out of this situation? You don't have seconds to think. You have to learn how to react and move at that exact moment because it could be life or death. People don't understand when you're in a ring. Yes, it could be for self-defense and competition, whatever, but you could get seriously hurt. I've gotten hurt in the ring. I've hurt a lot of people in the ring. But if you're not learning how to respond and be resourceful, even when you're in that situation of pain, you're going to end up getting hurt, much less, you know, could cost you your ultimate sacrifice. I think that's 100%. Yes. Even on the mat on a daily here, jujitsu or whatever it is, you know, I tell everybody, you're going to either find a way out or you're going to tap out. One of the two things are going to happen. The same thing's going to happen in business. So good. You yeah. Find a way out or you're going to tap out. Which one is it going to be? And so I think that th these are the lessons that I think that we learn on the mat. This, this is why martial arts is so powerful and you carried it into your military thing, because if you are if you're at a school that is teaching this true grit. And grinding through things that you don't do well, then you are going to those those lessons are going to follow you. And I had that I had that in the martial arts training, but I certainly didn't have it in the business world because. You know, you have to go find that. And then you're going to get leaders like Jay, you know, Jason Flame. I remember I was the one that, that kept pushing him to go. You got to go to this Maya show. OK. And he wouldn't go for a long time. And finally, he went with me one year to Vegas. Right. Yep. And then, you know, I, I tease him all the time. I said, you went on to be a consultant. But back in those days, I didn't have the where for all. I wasn't enough of a kiss ass to, uh, you know, kiss ass to the uh, the higher ones to try and get on the stage and do all that. It just wasn't my my thing at that point at, at that time. But, you know, he went that route and he did really well on doing that. And his school does really well. And he's a good yeah, he's a good, solid black belt of mine. You know, Jay, yeah, Jay I and I've been uh, yeah, I've known him for for before he was married. When he was yeah, well, he, he, he was very impactful in my life. I mean, every time we go to the martial arts training, whether Super Show, or we had our mastermind classes in person. He was always there and always brought tons, tons of value. So when I saw him part of our communities that we're part of. And uh, and got to connect with them. It, uh, it was definitely an honor for me to just get to know more about him on a different level. Yeah, he was good. Well, if you win all the super shows and stuff, we had it. We, I mean, I was at every single one. So obviously, we walked around together. And you know, I, I used to have some booths there. One year, I had a taiko drum uh, there, and there you go. we did. Uh, I brought taiko drums in for for one of those Maya shows, and yeah, they did not. You know, my my. Uh, my competition next to me didn't like it very well that we were playing Tiger <laughs> where they're trying to make that business. I look back on that and laugh. That was that was quite a time. Well, let's talk about your book then. I mean, I think it's yeah, your speaking stuff. Uh, I mean, you speak our my language big time. You know, just a you know a no nonsense, no quit attitude, and I'm sure that's what you probably bring to the table as the leader of your of your network that you do and try and develop leaders like the same way we develop black belts. And I'm 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 100 yeah. sure that's what you're doing. So, yeah, 100. And so tell me about the book now. And when did you write that? And what brought the book on? Did the book bring, did you write a book and then you, then you came to your network or did you have your network and then the book came along? How'd you, how'd you go? And well, what made you decide you want to do that? Well, first off, you know, I built six different businesses in the past 16 years, you know, started with the martial arts school. Then I built a massive fitness business in four cities. 
from there, I had an advertising agency where I built funnels for fitness professionals and those in the wellness space. And then I uh, started consulting in 2017, where I only helped martial art or not martial arts school owners, but those in the fitness space and, and uh, nutrition and stuff like that. And then I combined them all, like my consulting business and my advertising to Creed Consulting in 2019 and then started Business Leaders Network last year. So my everything in my book is kind of a compilation of everything that I've done in the past 16 years. And I wrote it. I, it took me about three years to write it because I had a completely different layout, almost done with the book. And then I go to my editor and I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. We need to start over. And we started from scratch. So here I like <laughs> years worth of work done and uh, need to do it. Now that I know the process of writing a book, I can knock a book out really quick now. They just, they just <laughs> didn't really know what to do. And uh, so the book itself, it's a compilation of everything. When I started really thinking about from an entrepreneur standpoint of what they need to do to build a successful, let's say coaching business, because that's the reason why I call it building your coaching empire. The strategies are effective for any entrepreneur, but I really am attacking a lot of the, the coaching space, whether they're martial arts coaches, fitness coaches, business coaches, life coaches, whatever they may, may be, any type of coach that's helping someone get somewhere else. you you got to have a key foundational piece, which is something I talk about in the book. So what are the key foundations that everyone needs to have in their business? They got to know their mission, where they're going. They got to know the purpose, their identity, the destination. They got to know who their target audience is. They got to know their messaging. They got to know the problems that they're even solving and how to create the offer around the big promise that they have. So that's the first part of the book. And then I lead into four non-negotiable tasks that every entrepreneur needs to do every single day to build their business. And something I call your daily pile, which stands for producing daily content, improving your products and services, customer experience, leadership, and expanding your network. And then I break that those four things down inside of the, the book exactly in detail. Like, okay, what do you need to be doing daily? Why is this important? What do you need and how do you accomplish it? And then I walk them through towards the end of the book. We're saying, hey, let's create your 90-day battle plan. So where I walk through, I, they even can click on a link to download a spreadsheet where I walk them through like different numbers, different accountability pieces of how they can actually do it. And all they got to do is go to 90daybattleplan.com and they'll be able to download that spreadsheet for them. But the book itself, honestly, it's a workbook and a guide to help lead someone to start or keep them on track with the daily tasks that they need to do to build their business. Hold on a second. I'm going to put that up for you real quick. 90daybattleplan.com, correct? Yep. Put this in the comments. So yeah, it, it, just takes a, it just takes to a Google spreadsheet on uh, on the template for building your battle plan. And inside the book, I walk through exactly how to fill out the sheet. And so the book is coincide. What's it? And, and what? Tell everybody the name of your book. It's called The Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire. And my my uh, thought is I'm building this series off the success guide too. So the next one that I'm working on right now is called the success guide to uh, like growing your network or something like that or building a powerful network. Uh, so I'm showing people on how to actually network, find different ways to build your pipeline, how to connect people and turn them to opportunities. So that's that's a book that I'm working on right now. And hopefully I'll have it launched over the next 30 to 60 days. So, uh, Jr., let's talk about then um, in our, you know, in our final segment part here about your business leader network. It's an online business. People can, you know, do you have in-person events? Are you mostly online events? Let's yeah. talk about what that looks like and how people can get a hold of you on if, if they're having 
issues and they're looking for coaching. Yeah. So Business Leaders Network is a mastermind networking community, and we are truly trying to change the way that people are connecting with other industry leaders, putting a bigger emphasis on education, teaching people and giving them the tools and resources on leadership, sales, marketing, systems, processes and finances. So all the key components that people need to, to really excel and to grow their business. I have a business partner. His name is Dr. Nate Sala. He's been a mentor of mine for more than a decade. And you know his doctorate is in uh, leadership entrepreneurship. And so he brings university level. He teaches at universities in St. Louis for, for his expertise. And so the knowledge that he brings, of course, with everything that I bring as well, is that's the knowledge that they're going to get. Plus, we, had, we do online breakout rooms. All this is virtual for this part. So we do virtual uh, online classes, master classes, university training, which we call BLNU. We have our roundtable discussions, and we do breakout rooms and networking uh, for connecting and building relationships with people. But we also do in-person stuff, too. I'm actually – I live in the D.C. area, but I'm in St. Louis right now, and we're doing our Entrepreneur Summit this week on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, where I'm bringing in 18 speakers from all over the country. In uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Juanita, is coming to speak from South Africa. I have uh, people from Canada coming down as well. It's going to be speaking to Jose Escobar who is, uh, was in here listening to the show. He's coming to speak as well at our event. But we do, you know, we're, we're trying to do about four events a year, whether Entrepreneur Summit, we're going to look at doing an exclusive high-end mastermind for six months as well, which we haven't even announced yet, all the details, but we're going to be doing that probably starting in May. And then in different cities, we do different happy hours and stuff to really connect people. So like uh, last month, you know, about 10 of us went to, in D.C., we went to, uh, um, a piano bar and had dinner just to really connect. In St. Louis, we do monthly happy hours all the time. In Charlotte, we got a group of people that get together on a monthly, on a weekly basis, I think they're doing, and really connecting and uh, just building quality relationships with each other. So if anyone out there, they're an entrepreneur, they're looking to grow their skill sets and in, in those six pillars of leadership, sales, marketing, systems, process, finances, or they're looking to connect and grow their pipeline with other referral partners and industry leaders, it's a great place for them to connect. So is it uh, where people can get a hold of you? Is it is it businessleadersnetwork.com or what 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 is your what yeah, is so the way that the best website to go to is blncommunity.com. So blncommunity.com is gonna be the best place to actually go get information about who we are and then they can uh, see the steps on how they can get started. So you got Juanita coming out, huh? She is. She'll be here tomorrow, actually. I think she's leaving today, and then she'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, I, I like that lady a lot. I yeah, got she's to work like, out with her a little bit. And she got a little taste of her, her martial arts is way different than what we do. I can guarantee you that. So Yeah, so so the funny thing is she does uh, Shonru. I think it's Shonru uh, Shotokan Karate. That's where I started it with and when I was when I was younger. So I started isn't, with isn't yeah, I started that when I was uh, three years old. And then I, I done a lot of uh, uh, Kajikimbo. I'd done Muay Thai. I'd done American kickboxing, um, a lot of grappling and judo, Aikido. And then I, I really tapped into WTF Taekwondo for the sport aspect. So I'd done a lot of the self-defense side of, of the sport. And then I also done like the sport aspect for Taekwondo, which is uh, something I really loved. Did you compete? Uh, did you go and compete when you I were? Did training yeah i competed in karate so i did the the open hand point fighting no hogus and you know stuff and then i done the olympic style fighting with 
when you, we got the Hokies and continuous fighting in Taekwondo as well. Did you uh, did you ever make the Long Beach Internationals? Did I do what? Did you ever make it to the Long Beach Internationals? Do you know what that is or not? Have you not heard of it? Uh, I never heard of the Long Beach uh, Nationals. I mean, I've done the the Arnold shows, like the Arnold National tournaments. That so most east, most east Coast thing is what you did. Is that correct? Midwest and East Coast is where I did. I never really travel out West to compete. but Right. The, I, I did the Taekwondo Nationals. I did Karate Nationals. I did Arnold Games. I, I did a bunch of things. So we have – right. So I, I think that, you know, when we were competing, I think Jason did this also. You know, Long Beach Internationals is that famous one where Bruce Lee first um, did his – and it's it's Kempo-based. But that's the first time he did his demonstrations, right? Is that mm. that one? And so I – I they have these very unique – you know, they get a unique patch. It's a patch that's an oval with a flame on it. And they've had that ever since the, you know, 60s, 70s. And then they have a very unique trophy. And they have self-defense divisions and fighting divisions. And, I, and I've done all these divisions in there that, that they had. And I never won the Long Beach Internationals. All the championships I won, I never won them. And then finally, about 10 years ago, I was watching the breaking division. I had a booth there. I was selling some weapons. And I had a booth. And I was watching the breaking division. I'm like, these guys suck. I'm going to do that next year so my kids can watch me one time. And then finally, I think it was gosh, it's over 10 years. So I think it was 2009 I did it. And I had my kids all come. And I says, come on, you're going to watch your dad do this. And this is a funny story is that I when I when I set up, I usually don't tell people I'm competing because they know who I am and they won't sign up, right? So I waited until the last minute. And then I signed up. And then I get in the division. And I, and I set up all my bricks and all my stuff. And the guy next to me is... You know, it's got some weird ass name, right? He calls himself Dragon or some shit like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. And he's, I'm watching him set up bricks, and I'm like, bro, you are going to hurt yourself the way you're setting these up. I said, I, I think you really ought to listen to me. The way you have this going to set up, you're going to hurt yourself. I said, have you done this before? I've done this. And, you know, I said, okay. And he didn't break one thing except for his wrist, right? So some uprising knee, all the bricks come down on his, on his shins, all this stuff. And then I win this thing. First time ever I win the internationals, the Long Beach internationals. My kids were all there. So this is probably my most memorable thing. It's the last time I competed. And it was my last, uh, you know, it was the last time that I, that my kids got to see me actually do something. So I was pretty stoked on it. And I don't keep a lot of my trophies, but that one I did. But this guy ends up on Rod Deirdrick's ridiculousness. The one, I don't know if you ever watched that before. And I'm watching ridiculous. So it's a funny show. What he does is takes all this YouTube stuff, and Rob Deirdrick is a skateboarder, and then they talk about it, and they or they all make fun of whatever. And I'm like it. And the, the, the I was watching the episode, and it goes, the next one is uh, karate gone wrong, karate breaking gone wrong. And then I'm I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the competition I'm in. And I see myself off to the right watching him break, and I'm like, no way. And so when it comes on, this guy that completely bombed that day, made it onto Rob Deirdrick's show. And as a guest, they had him come on so he can talk about why that happened. And I'm like, that is just such a unique thing. My last competition and the guy that bombs the best is on TV talking about what he did there and how, you know, he just, his day was off or whatever, whatever excuse he had. And just a funny story in, in martial arts, my, my last one, but, 
I, I think that competition was probably that's one thing I want to do today. You know, jujitsu has been part of me now for a while. And I, I don't know it, uh, you, your veterans that you talk to. I, I, do you encourage them to go do some martial arts? Any veterans that you have that are kind of struggling for purpose? Oh, 100 percent. I always encourage everyone to do martial arts, even kids that I come across. Yeah. So, you know, I, I found it, you know, when I got blood clots and stuff like that and I had to be on blood thinners for a while. And for a while, meaning I just got off them uh, four months ago. I just got released. And so I couldn't really take to fighting anymore. My What I really loved, I can, they said, you can't take head contact like you used to because, you know, it, your blood is thin and, you know, you, that can that can do damage. So you kind of lose purpose. I kind of lose purpose. And then jujitsu came around in those years. Yeah. And then I really, I was able to get, get back to a warrior's mindset. And I, I think I always talk to this about the vets, you know, if you guys are out there, because I know the veterans that come across or a police officer comes across and they're dealing with this stuff and you deal with not having purpose and you can get into a group of guys that are iron sharpens irons, not just guys either. I, I shouldn't just say that, but male or female. And you're looking for a way that you can bring purpose back into your life. I think martial artists to you veterans out there or or police officers that have this lack of purpose anymore. For you guys to come and do it because the suicide rate is astronomical for and i think the suicide rate has a lot to do with finding their purpose again do you find that coming back did it, is this what you set your business leader workshop is this how you got yourself purpose back how do you speak to those being being from the chaplain's corps on top of it you know I'm going to lie if I say I have it all together myself because I, I still struggle with my own demons and PTSD mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And, you know, and suicide thoughts, you know, come and go every once in a while. But I, I think what really helps me really drive forward and keep pressing on is my purpose and identity of knowing who I am. And uh, my kids is a big part of it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know where I would be at today if I didn't have my kids, and my family beyond business. If it wasn't for my kids, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would even have survived and just going through a lot of really dark places. I mean, gosh, I, I feel like every, every year, every couple of years, people that I served with are still, you know, taking their own life. And just last year alone, a good buddy of mine, um, his name was Jeremy. He, he served with me over in Iraq and I've only had talked, I mean, we were always chatting on Facebook, but we only talked, saw each other maybe twice since we've been back from Iraq. And he had a baby and he had another baby on the way and ended up taking his life last year. And uh, it was just very unfortunate. And it's uh, it's hard. Every time I see another another brother fall or, or you know, take their life, it makes you wonder what we could have done differently to help them. And, and it's hard. So but purpose is a big piece of it. You know, you got to find your purpose and what you're going through. And sometimes it's those demons are a lot stronger to be able to push past that they can't figure out a way. Yes, I, I agree with that. I wanted to get your your take on that because I think that's important. Listening to your, uh, you know, your your story, in, impactful, and I encourage all anybody else that's, that's struggling with purpose because I was there myself. In, uh, you know, when you feel that your purpose is gone, you know, right? You're probably correct, right? Because you know you got you got life that you have to think about outside of you, which is probably your children and your wife and your family or whatever that you guys with that that's driving your your thought process. 
And that is probably what brings everybody at least to a corner. But I will tell this, we have, because um, I know you're a Christian, we have a, a group called Jesus and Jits, or we have another one that's really fun, which is called Bible Beatdown. So what we do is, uh, is I don't know about you, but in church, I've always had a hard time doing these life groups. I'm not a big fan of going to somebody's house and sing Kumbaya and going to tell you my problems. You're going to have to be somebody certain in my life that before I before I, I have it. That means we either had to sweat together, bleed together, or fought together before I'm just going to give you some of me. You know what I mean? And so this is what we did, this group. And this is a, this is a cool group of people usually that kind of want to go to church but feel they're going to be judged if they go to church. So they can come here to, a, to my school. And we do this on on Sundays. We have Jesus and Jit. So at one o'clock, we just we have a open mat. We roll for about an hour and hour and fifteen minutes, and then we we take 15, 20 minutes after it. After everybody's sweaty and they've gone through this, and we and we start talking about you know life and issues that you have. If they went to church, we'll talk a little bit about church and what you learned today from that. This just happened yesterday. Another good group of guys that we had at Jesus and Jits yesterday. And so I encourage you guys that are out there looking for a Christian side to, to there, you know, to find those people that you can reach out to that you can have. So a Bible beatdown is a little bit different. We do MMA in that. So we'll do an eight week course. And those guys that never fought before, we've we've had some we have some awesome. Videos. So we teach more MMA for that. And then at the end of the eight weeks, you know, the end of the uh, life group, we'll put the cage up. And if you if you want to try a cage fight, you can try one in, in a more controlled atmosphere. So we get guys that could never do a cage fight or whatever. And these guys get after it, man. We've had some really good fights in the in the Bible beatdown. That's fun. And so that's what we do here at, at our school. I think that's pretty much why I've been blessed at my school, because I've always had it as a as a God based place that people can can be. You know, I don't really preach Jesus in, in, the, in the school, but they all they all come to me when they need him. Isn't that weird? That's so, so cool. I love so it. It's, it's, it's been uh, it's been a good ride. Well, I'm going to let you uh, close us out, man. Why don't you give us some thoughts, uh, Jr. It was this has been a, uh, an awesome hour. I knew this would be. Why don't you close us out with some closing thoughts of what you have? I've got all your information, and then I'll also have the audio of this will be out in probably about an hour. So I've got some different ways. It doesn't take me as much long to edit anymore. So in an hour or so, you'll see it come up as a, an audio podcast, also that you can share out on your platform. And then I'm going to have you, you guys, uh, close out. Gabby's still on with us, uh, our Canada friends. Cool. And so I'll let you close out, and we'll, we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. So the one thing I always tell ask people is like, what is your creed? So what is the one thing you're most committed to? They be resilient even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best, and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? And then if you guys want to get in touch with me, just Check out BLN Community or grab a copy of my book at jrspear.com. That was awesome, JR. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go, man. I want you to have an awesome day. I'll have this up for you. Thanks for spending the hour with us, JR. It's been an impactful hour. Awesome speaker, awesome leader. Looking forward to uh, some more years with you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, 
and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.